Hi, and welcome to episode 7 of Pridecast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. Today I'm joined by head coach Krista Kilburn-Stavesky of Hofstra Women's Basketball. This is her 11th season with the program. Thanks for joining us today, coach. Hey, thanks for having me, Amanda. Today we're going to learn a little bit about head coach Krista Kilburn-Stavesky and her journey here to Hofstra University. Coach, how did you first get involved playing basketball? How old were you and kind of how did that first come into your life? I was in a rec league probably in the fourth or fifth grade um, back in the small town of Fayetteville, Georgia. Back then, very small. I think there was 3,000 people when we moved there in 77. Um, but there uh, was no women's sports, so I had to play on the boys' soccer team. I played on the boys' youth basketball team. And uh, so that's how I kind of started playing in sports. Um, I, you know, I did the cheerleading thing, I remember, like in second grade, and that, I, that lasted one, one season. That was not a fun, a fun thing for me. Uh, so I, I played uh, at the Fayette County Recreation Department and on a boys' team, and I, I can tell you right now I was like a Tasmanian devil. I know it was 90 miles per hour, and I know my mother always tells a story that she had to sit on the other side of the gym and even the other side of the field when I played soccer because all the parents said, um, she's hurting my little boy. <laughs> so that just tells you I was pretty full throttle, I think, right out of the gate. Uh, you know, fr from the womb, I think I was full throttle. <laughs> what was growing up in Georgia like? You talked a little bit yeah. about kind of the basketball environment there, but what was, what was it like just in general living in Georgia as a, as a kid? Yeah, I mean, it really was small town. Um, obviously, the whole landscape of that's changed now because of people, the population boom of metro Atlanta. But it was really small town. I mean, I remember before we had even a McDonald's in the town. We had a Dairy Queen and we had an Elmore's um, little convenience store and we had like a Winn-Dixie. Those were the three things we had in the town. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you know, it, it, was a, it was a different time. It was a different time and place. I mean, it was... Uh, you know, you had the local papers like the Fayette Citizen and the Fayette County Neighbor, and they covered all the sports, and you were like the biggest game in town. And um, so it was like typical of what you hear. You know, you listen to country music and mm -hmm. you listen to what small town living was like. It really was. So I know I'm, I'm blessed to have that type of childhood. And, you know, and I kind of I had my hands in everything before I played sports. I mean, I we had horses growing up, so we did tons of horseback riding like crazy, and then I actually went from there into motorcycle riding. I remember mm -hmm. that transition. I used to race motocross, like, uh, and then when I started playing basketball, my, my coaches told me I had to put the motorcycle away, mm -hmm. you know, due to injuries, so I remember just that whole transformation. I, you know, just to be able to be that kid and be able to be outside, yeah. and, you know, I remember your parents whistling or blowing a whistle to get you to come home mm -hmm. for dinner. I mean, that, that was, that's pretty much is the epitome of my, my childhood. So to be able to have that and be able to grow up with less worries than mm -hmm. children do today, uh, it, you know, you really wish that could happen to everyone nowadays. Yep. And it's just really, really less and less and less uh, of that opportunity. So I, I was blessed. Mm -hmm. And then after, after playing basketball in high school, you went to play at North Carolina State. How, what was your process getting to NC State? Well, I, I was lucky because it was a change of coaches my freshman year. So I went from the rec, playing into middle school with Jill Jorner, some coaches that coached me in middle school. Then there was a gentleman named Glenn Walker, who was awesome, uh, old school, you know, what you would call traditional old school type coach, and didn't believe in younger players playing up on varsity, 
But he right he ended up being the assistant coach that year, and this gentleman named Jim Waller became the head coach. And Jim was more of a free thinker. He followed Dean Smith to the letter of the law. We ran the 33 run and jump. He studied basketball. He's probably one of the most incredible coaches I've ever had mm. next to him and my college coach uh, with the game knowledge and, and just how he got the best out of players. And so he, he saw me practicing. Uh, I remember this specifically to the to the day that I, that I die here. I remember I was running a sprint and I was beating everybody and I I did a little f- flip at the end and like laid on the ground, you know, being dramatic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember him screaming across the gym floor for me to get up. And I remember that voice and I remember jumping up, you know, and responding. But then I had that little anger, you know, about mm-hmm. who was this person. Uh, but he saw something in me, I think, that first day that he thought that would be pretty special. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talked about that before. And I just, I give a lot of my credit to him because then he, he obviously was a head coach. Then I was, I was playing, uh, it's funny how you remember certain things. I remember Glenn Walker telling me we were playing Macintosh. We always played them the first game of the year in mm-hmm. November. And I remember him saying, you know, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. And I remember him going, why are you nervous? You're not going to play. And, uh, again, a freshman year. And then, you know, to his dismay, I ended up playing, I remember, like half the game my freshman mm-hmm. year, you know, on the Fayette County varsity team. So I never looked back. So I played. I was able to play the varsity for four years. So mm-hmm. I think his development of me, you know, I don't know if I would have developed if I had right. to – have just had to play on the JV because that's what I'm supposed to right. do because I had an old more of an old school person. Mm. The timing of him being there, him seeing me and developing me and pushing me beyond limits where I ever thought I could be pushed gave me that opportunity to play at NC State. And I remember because early stages, everyone was more, you know, again, small town mentality. Oh, you're probably good. Play at UNA, it's University of Northern Alabama. Go play. Division two over here, maybe play small Jack State, mm-hmm. and Coach Waller was like, "No, you know, you keep working. You could play at Georgia Tech. You could play at Georgia. You could play at NC State. You could mm-hmm. play at Clemson. You could play at South Carolina. You could play, you know, at Alabama." And when that time came around, I had those options. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia was the place I really wanted to go to, and I didn't get offered there until late. So I had to, I waited late, and then I had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, your heart and soul, you always wanted to go to University of Georgia since I was in middle school, mm-hmm. but. Uh, so I really owe so much of that timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I would have played basketball somewhere, but would I have played at the highest level? I'm not sure if it wasn't right. for Jim Waller. And what were your years at NC State like? <laughs> Again, another great opportunity. I played 20 minutes a game as a freshman. I remember we were running the run and jump. You know, she always talked about me being a freshman, you know, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And being a college coach now for a number of years and 11 years here at Hofstra, you don't, you know, you have very few players in your career that's ready to go. Well, I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so played a ton my freshman year, started, you know, sophomore through my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, sophomore year was our, our worst year because we, we had won the ACC my freshman year. We mm-hmm. graduated like five seniors. We brought in a great freshman class, but we had two kids that couldn't play. Um, kind of what we have now has come back. We had a prop 48, mm. so we signed this kid, Andrea Stinson, who was the best player in the nation. She had to sit out. So our sophomore year, we took some hints. I think we were like mm. 10, and, 10 and 15 or something like that my sophomore year. But then we won, you know, junior year we won 26, senior year we won like 26, 28, and mm-hmm. I went to the lead, uh, sweet 16, uh, one shout out to the lead eight. So, you know, it, 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 I always talk to my team about it. Um, I think I have a team the last two years you know, that in this year, too, the culture has changed where they, they care about winning more. Mm. And it, it's not winning at all costs, but they care about winning more than, like, some of the the peripheral things and, right. the, and the, you know, we have much more distractions in some respects. But, you know, that's what I've always said about what made NC State different. And I talked to former players. We have several players that are college coaches, Jenny 
uh, Krasinski is the coach at Monmouth. Um, Paul, Paul Matier is her, her maiden name. But mm-hmm. I always talk to her. I'm like, you know, why do we just follow suit? You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really were straight and narrow, and arrow, straight right. as an arrow during the season. You know, we, you know, we didn't, we knew what we had to do, right. and it was just a culture that we stepped in, a culture of winning. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you didn't push that envelope. Right. You know, which means breaking curfew or doing this or drinking or whatever. I mean, you just, you know, I ask her all the time. I'm like. You know what? Why would why were we like that? Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's just amazing how you can step into a culture of yeah. winning, and you know you see some of the big programs that do that now: Notre Dame and Connecticut. Now I'm sure they're not without fault and have issues, but you know it's just an expectation. And I've always wanted a Hofstra to to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's really the quality of kids that you're bringing in, the mentality that you're bringing in, and and it and it does get challenging. But I think. Uh, you know, my staff and everybody's been able to, to, to do that for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we never flawless, but, uh, you know, so it was just a great a great place to be at that time you know, with a winning environment, mm-hmm. and Coach Valvano was still there, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just such a basketball haven in that neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. And then from there you began coaching at the high school level. Yeah. What made you decide to go into coaching and stay with basketball as a career? Well, it was an interesting concept, way different than how hands-on I am as a college coach. You, because, you know, because of the, I don't know if it's the way we were treated and our leadership and, and the stuff that we were just expected to know, it was definitely way more business during that time. Mm. Um, I'm sure people, some people ran their ship a little bit different, but you know, Coach Al was an 88 Olympic coach. She coached 86 Goodwill Games, she, mm-hmm. so she wasn't there as often. So, um, you know, during the off-season and things like that. So you, you really it didn't have quite a – I got a, had a great relationship with her, but the personal flair of it and the development was just different, way different mm-hmm. from this time and right. place. So I, I just remember specifically saying, I'm just not ready to coach college yet. I think I need to go make an impact. I wanted to make an impact mm. more. I felt like that the, the high school route would have been a better place to make an impact. So mm. that I had made my mind up in that. There was, you know, really at first no thought of doing anything at college. Um, but it was funny. As I had that thought and knew I wasn't going to do it, I got a GA offer at University of Georgia mm. right when I was starting my master's, getting ready to start my master's at West Georgia. And, you know, I hem-hauled around, and and, uh, and then I just said, no, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to mm. stick to my guns. So had a just probably one of the most amazing experiences coaching high school basketball. Uh, was at a smaller school uh, in a place called Tyrone, Georgia, my mm. first year at Sandy Creek High School, and, and was with a guy that's named Doug Crane, who was a phenomenal X and O's coach. Um, probably wasn't the most personal person in the world. Mm-hmm. The kids, uh, uh, he was a really, 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 really old school, so he didn't relate to the players as well. But boy, he knew what he he knew what he was doing. So mm-hmm. he just taught me that mindset of the game, you know, along with Jim Waller, who's still around. He was at Woodward Academy at that time, so I was able to kind of soak up as much as I can from those guys. And then I got my head job at Wheeler. So it just was the perfect thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have withstand the college grind. Yeah. If I would have started then, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today mm-hmm. now. I, I know life is absolutely so short, and everybody makes sacrifices in their jobs from you every minute of the day that you're involved in every sporting event here at Ofstra. But you know, you uh, there is there is a different level of being a coach, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would have withstand the test of time mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have done the high school route first. So mm-hmm. just such a emotional thing. I had a chance to go back this this past September and see people that I knew, and you know the lives that you you touch and, and the things that you can do as a high school coach is, is an amazing uh, mm-hmm. amazing job. At Wheeler, um, you had quite a lot of success. You won some championships. You had a couple Coach of the Year 
honors. What was kind of the key to to your success there? You know, kids, you could drive them, uh, you know, and, and I, mean, I was relentless. I mean, I go back and see videos of me. Uh, I was extremely relentless, you know. I think I've definitely mellowed over the course of time, and, and I think kids can't quite be pushed like they used to mm -hmm. either. You know, Danny Santos, who's an assistant coach at Florida State, uh, I coached her sister, Erica Santos, and my first year we won like 25 games. I had just, you know, a phenomenal team, but I had to like lay the letter of the law down. I remember mm -hmm. when I took the job, they were a little disoriented. They were not very disciplined, and uh, so we just came in and, and, and def in defense, which mm -hmm. I was always strong with defense anyway. That kept us in every game. I mean, there was, there was a really good player that uh, ended up um, – well, Maya Moore played for Collins Hill – she, uh, her coach was Angie Hembury, and that we always battled with them. Mm -hmm. And it would be, you know, high school game, four quarters, eight-minute quarters, 35-33. And we played them twice that year, 35-33. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a boring game, you know. It was right. just really, really, really good defense. So it was, it's funny when you go back and you kind of think, remember those kind of scores. So I think, mm -hmm. obviously, my defensive attitude and my, my work ethic was what I instilled on my teams and, uh, you know, made us successful. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite memory from your time at Wheeler, if you can pick just yeah. one? <laughs> You know, uh, there were so many different highs, but the uh, state championship was probably one of my favorites. Mm. I keep it in my office here. Uh, we uh, we had lost to a team. So back then you played a sub-region and then you played a region to mm. get out. So it was definitely not like some of the gimme things that you hear nowadays where you everybody goes to states. You know, you had to work your way to go to mm. states. and you had So you had to get out of the sub-region tournament first, least first or second, then to go into the region tournament. So we had... Um, we had lost to this team, Pope, uh, in the sub-region. Mm -hmm. So then we go and play them. We had to win the region mm -hmm. to go on. And uh, we had lost to them, f I think it was three times already that year, two in regulation and one in the sub-region. And I'll never forget the referee at the – because back then, and I think they do still do it now in high school, you coaches go up to the circle. I remember I was walking away. He said, oh, you haven't, you haven't, uh, you haven't beaten these guys. You lost these guys three times. And I remember walking over to my assistant and saying, uh – we're 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 not it's not going to be a good day you know because mm -hmm. he already knows our record he doesn't think we can beat him right. so it was a totally against all odds moment so we won that game uh, somehow two of my best players fouled out Corey Hutchinson fouled out Kiki Kendrick who went to Central Florida and played she fouled out had a kid named Monica Williams that kind of carried us through that game and Aisha Gaddis who's a very successful coach down in Georgia so these kids carried us through, then that game was just the pivotal. We had another close one, 55-53, something like that, against mm -hmm. Osborne, and then we just went on and swept the whole way. We played a team called Griffin, who was 25-0 and at that time, and, uh, yeah, some incredible record, and we just waxed them. I mean, we boxed out. We did things that I didn't think we were capable of doing, mm -hmm. and then we ended up winning the championship game by 20. Wow. So it was crazy. So it was just that whole journey. It mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily winning that game. It wasn't the game. It was all the steps in between. Mm -hmm. And I remember back then you did everything as a high school coach, whether it was sweeping the floor, setting up, making the highlight film. Mm -hmm. And I used a Phil Collins against all odds. I remember you know using those old programs with the VHSs to do the <laughs> strolling. You probably know this uh -huh. <laughs> well. You're young, but... So I remember making the Holly film at the end of the year, and it was just such a – I used the Hoosiers and the David and Goliath mm -hmm. and panned off to that and did all this kind of stuff. I always like to dabble my hands with all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it was awesome. So that was the 98 state championship. So that whole journey and those those young women who now have gone on to be very successful and married and kids, and mm -hmm. you know, I keep in contact with several of them, but it was just a, a great experience. Yeah, that's quite a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great one. Uh, then you eventually end up taking – 
an assistant coaching job at James Madison. Yeah. So you were ready to move into the college realm at that point? Yeah, I think so. I stayed one more year. Um, those girls were only juniors when we mm-hmm. won the state championship. So, you know, it's hard to win back-to-back. But I had everybody coming back, and uh, that was uh, the big Collins Hill um, fight up in Rome, Georgia, when mm-hmm. we, we lost to them in a, in a, in a close one. Um, several of those kids went on to play at University of South Carolina, and a kid named uh, uh, I think Danny Kell. She went on to play at Auburn. But so you know, I stayed that one more year, um, and uh, and uh, you know, but I knew I could feel it. I had a long time assistant of eight years. She was getting ready to move back down to our hometown and start a family, and I, it was just the right time. It mm-hmm. was the right time. So I remember I went on that NCAA website. Uh, and I was looking in the college coaching corner of the career thing and just printed out tons of things, got my resume together mm-hmm. and sent them out everywhere. And then James Madison guy picked me up out of the, out of the blue. I didn't mm-hmm. really know him. He mm-hmm. looked at one of my players, one name was Bud Shoulders, and the girl that coaches at Purdue uh, was leaving to take the head coaching job at, mm-hmm. Maine, at Maine. And, uh, so she uh, she was leaving, and she was a high school coach, so I think he probably felt comfortable that he knew they got somebody that had been a head coach in high yeah. school. And um, so I just came up, I interviewed, and got the job. So I definitely owe a lot to, you know, that first step mm-hmm. out of the blue, you know, to take somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was great, but then it was a, a weird step because I ended up midway in the season. He ended up stepping down from the position. Mm-hmm. So there was three and a, three of us, Kenny Brooks, Kim Harrison, who now is a coach at Hartford. Mm-hmm. Kenny Brooks is a coach at Virginia Tech now. And then myself running the ship that year. Mm-hmm. And we ended up squeezing out 18 games. But, yeah, that was – so my own on-the-job training that first year probably taught me four years of college experience right. because I went from, okay, being an assistant, sitting there, you know, not a lot of things thrown on me yet mm-hmm. to handling travel handling scheduling, right. handling head recruiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like if you're, 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 you're uh, working in a, a diner, uh, bussing tables, the next thing you know you're a short-order cook. Right. It was the same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after living in the South for your whole life up to that point, you come to Hofstra, <laughs> which obviously Long Island is right. a much different kind of environment. Right. Um, what went into that? decision and how did you first adjust to Long Island? Well Harrisonburg even though it's a slower pace it's still different from like a little bit of the IT's the IT's Denise King and Basil too like you might think you're below the Mason-Dixon line. You're still not <laughs> still not the true Southern. And, and right. Harrisonburg really is not true either. I mean, they definitely have a lot of countryside, a lot of farmers, mm. and this, that. But it's still a different way of life when you, right. you know, when I'm home now, my mother's trying to talk to people and overhelp people. And I hear my friends doing it, and I start laughing because that's exactly, you know, we tell them our life story in two mm-hmm. seconds. And I'll be like, Mommy doesn't need to know all that. But mm-hmm. that's exactly how we grew up, uh-huh. you know. Uh, so, but, so that transition kind of broke it in half a little bit being at Harrisonburg. Mm -hmm. And then I was probably, you know, early thirties, you know, 30, what, 32 or something, 31. And Kenny Brooks started telling me, you know, you're not getting any younger. You better start looking at jobs. And I I remember teasing him going, you don't want me here. (laughs) And, uh, he's like, no, I'm just telling you, you need to look. So, you know, then a year, year goes by or whatever. He promoted me to associate head coach and, uh, and then a couple jobs were popping around. Mm. I remember seeing a few things popping out. And then this Hofstra thing pops up. And I always had the Hofstra scout. Mm. And uh, I didn't know anybody. I had met Jack Hayes and Danny McCabe, like, at a hot second at mm. the uh, George Mason. I used to host the CA tournament mm. that year. 
and I remember me and you know sitting there and talking to Jack for like a second and uh, and Danny, but that was really all the correspondence that I ever had with them. Mm. So I just said, you know what, might as well just shoot my name in the hat. And it's just ironic. We were already planning a trip to come up here to go see. My husband went to UMass, so mm. we were going to go do a little tour of UMass and go to Springfield, the Hall of Fame, go to the Mohegan Sun and go to a, a Nike clinic. So okay. we had all this stuff planned right as I was applying for this job and mm. uh, ended up getting an interview, you know, during my my quest of being up here. So it was, um, you know, obviously Jack Hayes took a chance by hiring somebody, you know, but uh, I, I certainly am indebted to uh, to that opportunity. So broke it in half going from Harrisburg, Harrisonburg and then coming up here and getting this chance to be at Hofstra. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been great. It's been a good 11 years. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now you've been here for 11 years. Yeah. What about Hofstra has made you want to stick around? I think it's obviously my quest for success too. You know, it, you know, it's uh, wanting to win, you know, and, and feeling like you can still get it done. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if I get to the point where we've tapped all the resources and there's no way, Mm-hmm. that we can win a championship, you know, if I really felt there was no way. I mean, we've been relevant. We've been top four. We've been top two. We've been top three. We've been relevant. We've mm-hmm. played in a final game, obviously, and lost by six. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, we haven't been able to completely capture that, you know, high culture of winning one and then continue to win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now we have good parity in our league. So the days of the ODUs in the world, and, you know, obviously the Delawares took mm-hmm. about a three-year cut you know in it with when having Dale Don and then and then Kenny kept uh, JMU extremely you know relevant and made mm-hmm. them very very successful so you know if I felt like we could not get it done I think I would have probably you know turned my turn my whistle in and tried something else so mm-hmm. you know uh, but you know so that that environment being able to you know have really good leadership here um, you know obviously a president who you know lets us provide and lets us run a program to the level he wants and I know he wants us to be top 25 I know he wants us to be very successful it's um you know it's not easy right you have 370 something division one teams Mm -hmm. to be able to say that Hofstra has you know stayed relevant and stayed in that top is is great but that's still Mm -hmm. not good enough for me though right so that's not good enough for what we want to make our mark so I think that that thriving that journey Mm-hmm. to get to that pinnacle, you know, hopefully enjoying the process right. as I go along, which which I certainly do enjoy being here, enjoy the people, and enjoy where I live, mm-hmm. you know, in Long Beach. I think that's always important as a head coach because you got to have a happy environment outside right. of the workplace, too, to make everybody else happy around you. Mm-hmm. So I think all of those variables have kept me here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and knowing that you can win. Speaking of having a happy uh-huh. environment outside of the workplace, your husband Chuck is very supportive of the team, mm-hmm. Um, how important is that to you? I, I know that part being extremely blessed. I mean, I know him having a father that was at a junior college level, a high school level, and a junior college level, and then an AD, his dad coached too. So I think, you know, he grew up in a gym, and you see his baby pitchers and his young pitchers running around the gym. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, you know, a match made in heaven before we knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll be married 20 years this coming up April in 2017. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> uh but he's just number one fan. I mean, mm. he gets, well, way more excited than even I do. You know, the American <laughs> game. He could, he, you know, he knows I have to have decompression. Mm. You know, we don't, we don't really have that type of relationship where we have to divulge. Uh, you know, uh, I'm very independent thinker. He's a very mm. independent thinker. But you know, it's cute. I came in it's from the American game. He's, you know, smiling ear to ear and <laughs> your kisses. You know, or the UC Davis game about Sid making that three and we came back by five. You know, so he gets he gets like hilarious when he. Uh, 
And I'm like, okay, honey, and I take the dogs and I go for a walk. <laughs> so uh, luckily he understands me and he does never, ever, ever take offense that I might not be, uh, you know, he just wants to be proud, proud uh-huh. of Ajane, proud of Crystal, proud of the whole team, proud of Anna, proud of the, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, Eliana, you know, he just, he's, uh, just likes to, you know, to see them have success. And uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely blessed to have someone that supportive and, and that portable, too, to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, go. Because he, he gave up his whole company when he left. You know, he gave up a big part of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owned a company called Sports and Entertainment Direct. Had mm-hmm. a warehouse, offices in uh, in downtown uh, Atlanta, right in the, well, by in the Buckhead area. And he sold it mm-hmm. when I took the job at JMU. Wow. And I took a pay cut mm-hmm. from what I was making as a high school teacher and coach. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> I took yeah. a very considerate pay cut, a good, like, $30,000 pay cut. And then wow. he took, uh, obviously, a large pay cut, too. So he took a pretty big chance to mm-hmm. move up to Harrisonburg. And I remember that transition because I'm generally a pretty positive person. And I remember being in slow Harrisonburg. It was slower than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I remember and I remember him just going... Be quiet. You made a decision to be here, so deal with it. And uh-huh. then I ended up obviously meeting friends, and because I'm mm-hmm. a definitely a social person, ended up uh, enjoying the mountainside and mountain bike riding, and you know, kind of kind of found my spot. But initially, the culture shock when you first mm-hmm. step into Harrisonburg, and apparently it wasn't even as bad when I got there. There was uh-huh. a Costco. <laughs> Everybody tells me when there was only one store. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, you know, it. Uh, he's just a, just definitely very supportive. Um, never someone in your ear ever telling you how to do your job right. or providing that. Just a big fan. Mm-hmm. And to have uh, someone in your life that is like that, mm-hmm. I know it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the type of relationship that we have is probably why it's lasted, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, In your 11 years now, can you pick a favorite moment? <laughs> well, that first year is always going to be special. Mm-hmm. Because you were just riding on fumes and working 14-hour days mm-hmm. and just, you know, it's like a blur. And then having that success and having all those kids buy in. Um, I think that's your hardest part as a college coach is getting kids to buy in because mm-hmm. they have so many distractions. Yep. Those kids were bought in because they knew where they were and then mm-hmm. they knew what that change was like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that time special. But then we had so many other highlights when the Blockios were here and the Capersos were here and Candace Bond and Shantae and mm-hmm. we had, you know, so many other really, really, really good moments. I mean, but, you know, you know, in this past run, this last year going all the way to, you know, the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. you know, that was very similar to our first year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like first year and last year were two, like, awesome years and there was a lot of other good things in, in the – in the in the mix, but there's nothing like that feeling of that first year because mm-hmm. uh, you had you know, the type of leaders you had then on that team. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any since. Not mm-hmm. not to that caliber. Not mm-hmm. to the Lizanne Murphys of okay. the world. That was so far more mature than any other kid I've ever mm-hmm. coached, and just did not handle any small talk mm-hmm. or any backlash. Um, if anything would ever happen in the locker room, she would hit it head on. Mm-hmm. She was not afraid of confrontation. You have. Very few people like that. Yeah. And she just hit it head on. Mm-hmm. Tell them to shut up, go to work, do this, do that. I mean, she was a remarkable person. Mm-hmm. And I, I never will probably have anyone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to have that type of confidence is, is amazing. And, of course, she's gone on and had two Olympics and played yeah. a great career. So that tells you a lot about her character and what mm-hmm. she is. Uh, I had some folks that, you know, close and, and amazing, you know, whether going to their family weddings, about ready to go to another one's wedding, and, mm-hmm. you know, all these kind of things. So it was so many great moments. But probably, you know, last year was pretty awesome, and then, mm-hmm. you know, the first year was pretty good. We'll be right back for the Pride 5 with Krista Kilburn-Stavesky following this update from Hofstra Athletics. 
All teams are currently on hiatus for final exams. Both men's and women's basketball will return to action on December 22nd. Men's basketball will be home hosting Siena. The Pride will come into that game with a 7-5 record after beating local rival Stony Brook this past Tuesday. Women's basketball will be on the road on the 22nd, playing at St. Joseph's. The Pride comes into that game 6-3 and, and receiving votes in the most recent edition of the College Insider Women's Mid-Major Top 25 poll. Wrestling returns to action on December 29th at the Lock Haven Classic after dropping a match to Binghamton last week. And we'll switch gears now into our the fun section, the Pride Five. So this will be five quick questions, um, more just kind of get to know you things. So uh, first one, <laughs> first one is what's the food you miss most from home? Mm, well, the collard greens and the fried chicken on the Sunday dinners is probably mm -hmm. what I miss. Um, you know, I, I I have to have some biscuits instead of bagels every now and then. I can't find good biscuits. Uh, probably that. <laughs> Besides Hofstra, who's your favorite sports team? Whoa. That's that's a tough one because I just like quality of, of basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, obviously I keep my eye on NC State, but, uh, you know, it's really hard to say necessarily a favorite. I'd have to go with my alma mater first. Mm -hmm. you know? But we're such a just watch everybody, you know, mm -hmm. and try to find uh, quality of play and good quality of play. But I do like the Huskies because mm -hmm. I like um, just how they run their ship. And, and uh, Kelsey Plum is just a dynamic mm -hmm. guard for them, point guard. And so that's kind of like my new favorite right now uh -huh. um, outside of my alma mater. What about NBA? Do you have an NBA team? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a front runner. Golden State's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I still pick up my Hawks every now and then. Mm -hmm. But uh, I grew up I grew up in the Hawks with Dominique Wilkins. I still grew up a Celtics fan because mm -hmm. uh, everybody, I guess, you know, uh, wants to be be like Larry Bird growing uh -huh. up. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I but I, I would go to see the Hawks play a lot too. So, mm -hmm. But I'm kind of a front runner now. I kind of enjoy, I'm kind of, I enjoyed San Antonio and their run, and, uh -huh. and now I'm enjoying Golden State just because of quality of play. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place you've ever visited? Ah, it's funny. I just had this conversation. <laughs> I was just home this past weekend. Well, you know, it's funny. The number one on my list was always when I went on a barefoot cruise, a catamaran cruise to the Virgin Islands. But I went, got to remember, I went like in 1992. Uh -huh. And so, and now I've been back about five times since. Back then, it was undiscovered. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go to the Virgin Gordon now, they have, like, ladders and, you know, they, everything is, like, a liability now. Da, da, da. Right. Still amazing. I still mm -hmm. love to sneak away to the islands. Mm -hmm. And so I think that still ranks. But necessarily, there's you know, everybody and their brother can get a boat license now yeah. and, and drive. Actually, you don't even have to have a captain's license to drive a catamaran mm -hmm. over there. So that's kind of diminished the excitement, you know. Mm -hmm. So when you're as old as I am now, you, I used to do Miami, South Beach, right after uh -huh. the... Scarface days when mm -hmm. it was all drugs and elderly it was the turn <laughs> so I used to go there in the, like in the 90s um, but I so, so it's kind of like it's changed like so those places were like hot spots for me but I really I do love now in my older years just to reside at some of the smaller keys down mm -hmm. in, the, in, uh, in the keys like the big pine key mm -hmm. uh, with a little key deer I rent like a two acre place and just go nice. hibernate for a couple weeks and uh, rent a boat and go out and do some fishing and do some scuba diving so that that probably ranks as my mm -hmm. number number one thing to do but I still think that my number one spot 
you know, and it's always time and place when you go to something for the first time. Right. You explore something you've never explored before, and mm-hmm. you're doing this by boat. And you back then, you'd go into a harbor, and you'd be the only boat. It might be one other. Mm-hmm. You know, that was probably the most remarkable thing I ever did yeah, uh, that's back then. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I still go back now. I just did one two years ago. Mm-hmm. I went from St. Croix all the way to St. Thomas. That was like a six-hour boat oh, ride right. across mm-hmm. the Atlantic part right there. Um, not much to see as you're going through there till mm. you get to Norman Island. but So I, I still go back, and I still do mm. it, and it still means a lot to me, but it was nothing like the first. Mm-hmm. So your favorite movie? Ha-ha. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me a question. <laughs> it's funny. I'm just going to have to always say my all-time favorite movie is Gladiator. Mm-hmm. All-time favorite, and so bad that actually I was one time I almost got divorced because <laughs> I think I saw it which that's a joke but I saw it like 25 times to the point I made my husband wait in line we have this um famous theater in Atlanta called the Fox Theater mm-hmm. and they'll do movies and they have like a hundred foot screen mm-hmm. so mind you we've already seen it 20 something times uh-huh. so they were they were rolling it out at the Fox so I, I make Chuck go with me <laughs> we have to wait in line mind you that went around the building I took some friends in my neighborhood at that time, and I remember him just looking at me going, I can't believe I'm saying I want to see something. You already see, you know, every line. But to this day, I still text my friends, uh, you know, signs from the Germanic, you know, barbaric mm-hmm. scene of the opening scene, or uh, Strength and Honor by uh, by uh, uh, Maximus Decimus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that probably has to rank as my, my top film of all times. <laughs> yeah. All right, and last one. If we got in your car and turned on the radio, what kind of music would be playing? <laughs> wow. Uh, everybody would probably would specifically say country first because I always have it on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I'm pretty diversified. Um, so, you know, it's, it's country ranks up there. And now my new, like, heavy, heavy rotation of music is Hamilton mixtape. Uh-huh. I can't stop playing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that and Kenny Chesney's new Cosmic Hallelujah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I am the, I am country, but I will, uh, I will, I will go across the, the genre mm-hmm. landscape mm-hmm. quite often. If you grab my phone now, you'd be pretty impressed of seeing <laughs> from. But the Hamilton mixtape, highly recommend that to everybody. It's <laughs> it's sick. It's sick how they can come up with you know 1776 to modern day rap. Is, yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Well, that's all I have. Thanks so much Thank for you. joining me today. All right. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of Pridecast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. We hope to see you at the David S. Max Sports and Exhibition Complex on December 22nd for men's basketball versus Siena, and on December 30th for women's basketball versus Hartford. We'd like to wish all our student-athletes good luck on final exams, and we wish a happy holiday season to all of our Pride family.